when you're spending time with the Lord, actually take note of, you know, make notes either about what he's saying to you or a scripture that pops out at you or, and not that you do it all the time, but do it periodically. Periodically. Have you ever taken the time to kind of go back and review those? Okay. And what have you found? Like, okay, so I started a prayer journal mm-hmm. January 1st. So every time I have my conversations with God and I pray and everything, I try to keep, I, I try to make sure that I write them all down. Mm-hmm. And then I go back about every once a month or so, and then I check off which ones were, were blessed and came, you know, happened, mm-hmm. or which ones I was told no to, mm-hmm. and, you know, so that I can readjust. Maybe I'm praying wrong. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I'm asking for the wrong wrong way, you okay. know, so then I'll alter how I'm looking at the situation and rethink it. Okay. So it, it makes it go deeper. Okay. And, you know, it, it definitely does make it go deeper. You do a very active process. That's great. Yeah. And, um, you know, I in the Bible studies class for the women's um, that just ended the... Um, Oh gosh, what is her name? I forget the lady. Pris- Priscilla Shire. Yes, yes. She had Jonah. said in the last session um, that she always asks God, if you know a better way, do it. And I'm like, uh, that's a double edged sword. What if it's more work your way? So it's like, um, do I want to do it that way? But I've kind of been adding that in there as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. so when I do go back, I look, okay, did he do it a better way? And it's just mm-hmm. totally different than my original idea. Mm-hmm. Did I actually get what I asked for? Just it took the long way around. Because I'm, I'm the typical, I get lost. <laughs> so. Yeah, and it's it's amazing because since I've been doing that, mm-hmm. both my husband and I have noticed that so many, 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 many blessings have happened to our family. And I mean, just from the small things to the big things, mm-hmm. and everything that we've needed or wanted has been granted in one shape, form, or another. Awesome. And awesome. yeah, and keeping track of those prayers and wish lists kind of thing does make you realize how often you are blessed. Awesome, that's great. Anyone else want to share? Um, Just what they, either what they journal or capture or, you know. Yeah, what I've noticed is, um, sorry. Yeah, Kathy and then Paul. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, okay. I've never done that. Okay. Yeah, what an encouragement. Sister, oh my gosh, that is amazing, that's beautiful. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you how long you've been walking with the Lord? Actively seeking it, um, 2009. Okay. We started coming in May. Imagine I had eight years or so. (laughs) Sister, that is awesome. Isn't it? That is awesome. And I can't even take credit for the the idea. Dwayne Fisher, that does the Wednesday night Bible study, Mm -hmm. he's been telling us every year to do it. And he Mm -hmm. says, by the end of the year, you'll notice there's a pattern. Mm -hmm. Things that are necessity will be granted, and things that are just a frivolous thing that you're asking for will not some may some may not but yeah you'll you'll see your blessings because it's so easy to get caught up lord please help me i i you know my pg bills do help me figure this out and then you'll forget that you prayed that prayer and Mm -hmm. somehow you your pg bill's been paid right you know obviously it's a paycheck (laughs) but you know it's 
it's just one of those things yeah. where it's like, oh, thank you, Lord, you gave my husband, you know, an extra four hours that covered that bill. Right, right. You know, so it's we're awesome. not hurt. Yeah, it really increases your faith. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, you don't realize how much he's really doing. <coughs> mm -hmm. What were you going to share? And I also noticed that I, I even keep track of when I pray for other people. Mm. So, like, I'll pray for someone else to feel better about, mm -hmm. you know, whatever illness they have. You know, heal their heart, give them strength, give them courage. You know, Lord, help my sister figure out what's wrong with her. You know, different things like that. And even those prayers, I kind of can see when they're yeah. happening yeah. And, and, and their journey. And it just, oh, it makes me so warm inside to see that even though they don't know that I prayed for them, that the prayers are working. Awesome. That is fantastic. Okay, Kathy. What I was, what I've noticed is when I journal what I think he's saying to me, you know, I'll ask him to speak to me and I'll start mm -hmm. writing stuff. And when I'm doing it, it, it feels like it's coming from me mm -hmm. because it feels like my own thoughts, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But I'll just write what's coming to me. And then when I go back and I look at it, it's, I go, wow, because I don't talk that way. Right. You know? And, I, you know, and I realize it just, it, it increases my faith as far as knowing that I really am hearing from him. Because so, how many times is it, it feels like it's, it's just your own thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, he says, he'll say really powerful things and, um Kind of like what you said, just, uh, yeah, just write, like I'll just ask him to speak to me and I just write what, what comes out, mm -hmm. you know, just, mm -hmm. just, I just start writing, and like I said, it feels like it's from me, but later when I go back, I know it's not from me, because I don't talk that way, and there's things that are said, and I'm like, I, I wouldn't have known that. That's you awesome. Know? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful. You know, he says a lot of different things to me sometimes. So though now, you know, this is something that we need to work on. Or one time he told me that he wanted to have a father-son talk with Paul. He's like, I need to have a father-son talk with Paul. And I need you to get out of the way. And he was like, um, I need you to keep your mouth shut. But he also said, and I, and no attitude. Because even if you keep your mouth shut, but there's attitude. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Just, could you just leave him to me and let me have my father son talk with Paul? Oh, I love that. And that was like, wow, okay, yes, Lord. And it took a while. I was like, okay, when are you going to do it? You know? <laughs> it took a while, yeah, but. What about attitude? So yeah, you know, wait okay. a little longer. <laughs> I keep checking myself, and, but wow. I'll that's tell you beautiful. what. When that father son talk happened, mm -hmm. there was nothing for it, but Paul was listening. Uh, do you, you guys remember that? I think I told you guys about that. Uh -huh. uh, uh, oh man, yeah, there was. What? I don't want to say nag. The, Kathy was asking for specific things. Mm -hmm. <coughs> you need to do this. I want you to do that. That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was heated. Sometimes it was not. Mm -hmm. Most of the time it was yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll get to it. And what I have probably had no intention. But when Daddy <laughs> talks to you, he's listening. So. Yeah. You being obedient to him opened the door for me to have an encounter with him, and it changed things. 
That is one. And of course, like, you know, I, I wouldn't say that to myself, right? About right. Your exactly. Yeah. Your yeah. First of all, don't yeah. say anything don't and say then anything don't have an attitude. Yeah, because you can keep your mouth shut until it's coming out. That's right. Your attitude. That's right. That's exactly oh, right. That I, I wouldn't talk to myself that yeah. way. Shady yeah. Turn. Yeah. yeah. That's right. No, that, that's, that's awesome. Thank you guys for sharing. I know for me, uh, just a uh, little bit, I have heard what Sarah's talked about for a long time. I have not practiced it routinely, particularly the part of going back and looking yeah. uh, and seeing what the Lord has done so that we can build memorial stones. But <clears throat> what, what has happened is, I think it was earlier this year, after, of course, seeing War Room Priscilla, which is why I remember her name, um, and then uh, spending some time with uh, this young lady over here, Don Marie, I've been challenged. Um, she's my accountability person on, are you taking note of what the Lord is saying to you? And then reviewing it. And I really encourage all of us that not just what he's saying to us, but for us to be, when we review those notes, to be watchful of what we are thinking and how we are thinking. Um, because our lives go the way of our thoughts. Our lives will go the way of our thoughts, our predominant thoughts. Um, it could be uh, we're thinking a new thought, but we're believing an old thought. And we will go the way of that which is rooted in us. And that's why it is so helpful to go back through our material, especially when the Lord has been speaking to us, and review what he's been saying. I'm going to pass it over to you if you want to do your piece now or not. Okay. Can I chime on that just one second? Sure, go ahead. With, with that, I've even noticed that since I can go back and look at what I was praying, um, I've changed from being very negative in my own self. And I mean, I have postpartum depression, and I still have days where it's kind of bad. But, um, you know, it's gotten a lot better since yeah. I acknowledged it and made it known that that's been an issue. And I've become happier because I'm forcing myself to be happier. Mm -hmm. And by watching my prayers, mm -hmm. it makes you realize how happy and how blessed you really are. And it takes away some of that negative. Mm -hmm. And then before you know it, all that negative comes away. And then you just become that positive person. And then you look back and it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how dark I was. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how dark I really was. And nobody would tell you that. Yeah. And you get really good at pretending that you're not in front of people. So my my surrounding people mm -hmm. had no idea how dark I really was on the inside because I was a really good faker, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not faking it. There you go. That's good. <laughs> okay, so I have a an experiment for you guys. So I purposely not told you what today's class is about, but I will after we go through this little exercise. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you a question and I want you to write down the first thought that comes to mind. 
So I don't want you to clean it up. I don't want you to think it through. I don't want you to, oh no, that's not a good thought, and come up with another one, right? Okay, no matter how it sounds, I want you to write it down, okay? So here's the question I'm gonna ask you. you. Write the first thought that comes to your mind. When you think of yourself, what is the first thought that comes to mind? When you think of yourself, what's the first thought that comes to mind? Whatever that is, just write it down. Just one thing. write it down? Okay, I'm not going to ask you what you wrote, but show of hands, how many wrote something negative? How many wrote something positive? Well, mine could be negative and positive, but I wrote it because did you see it a negative? Okay. If you saw it as a Counts negative, as a negative. Then right. it's a negative. Right? Okay. So once again, who wrote something negative? Who wrote something positive? Okay. Very good. Hmm? As a positive is outnumbered, does negative? Yeah, so that's, awesome. that's good. That's, that's very good. Okay. So, what do you think about yourself? is what you believe about yourself. What you believe about yourself is what will dictate how you operate in the world. Right? If you think some if you think negative thoughts about yourself, those negative thoughts will turn into negative behaviors and those negative behaviors, however those are manifest, right, will keep you from really walking through and hearing the truth about what God says about you, okay? Because here is a truth. If you, have some, if you are thinking something negative about yourself, right, something that I can't overcome, let's say, if I'm thinking that, I have no way to overcome that, to overturn that, right? Unless I deal with the negative thoughts. So this class is called Renewing Your Mind. So the past couple of weeks, we talked about redeeming the time, taking little bits of time and using that time to do powerful acts of service at Edify. Last week we talked about how we were created to serve God and to serve others in relationship, right? 
But renewing the mind is where all this starts. Because if we are not aligned with who God is and who we are, and who God says we are, are, then it is not going to be possible for us to step into what God has for us because the negative thoughts in our mind are the things that's going to be holding us back. So let's take a look at Romans 12. Let's talk about that for a minute. So Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So when you read what Paul is talking about here, the first thing that renewing our mind requires is to recognize the patterns of thinking that are still lined up with the world, right? Because Paul talks about, do not be conformed to this world, but be renewed. So if we're going to be renewed, the first thing that we have to do is we've got to be able to look and identify what patterns are going on that are still linked to the world. Now, most times people think that worldly thinking is, okay, well, I'm steeped in materialism, um, I'm self-centeredness, you know, those kind of things. But what Paul is saying goes much deeper than that. Okay. What Paul is saying is that anything from the world that has skewed your view, right, of who God says you are and who God is, that doesn't line up with that, right, is actually conforming to the world. It's actually things from the world that has skewed your thinking. And when your thinking is skewed, you don't have the ability to now renew your mind because those thoughts, those things, those patterns from the world are actually clouding up or taking up, let's say, brain matter that could be used by the Holy Spirit and God to renew your mind, to align you with what what God says, what his nature and character is, and who he says that you are. Because anything that causes your identity to not line up with what Christ says about you, is worldly. And don't look at the worldly connotation from, oh, that's worldly thinking. You know, you hear that from the Paul, and that's worldly worldly thinking, like, you know, there's a condemnation message there. Okay. That's just natural, right? We're born in the world, we live in the world, our experiences are in the world. So when we come to Christ, it's natural that 
even though we're new creations, we're still living out the old patterns. And why Paul specifically says, don't be conformed to the old pattern. So Paul is trying to get you to look at it and say, hey, wait a minute, your mind needs to be here, but you need to be able to recognize what's going on because you can't enter into partnership with the Holy Spirit to begin to work on those things if you don't recognize what those things are. So when Paul is talking about that, are we all clear on what has been made new when we've come to Christ? Are we clear about what it is about us that has been made new? What is it? Our record, our history. Record, history, that's good. Should be our perspective on things should be No, that's where, that's why this scripture exists. What's new is our spirit. We all think in terms of the deadness of our spirit, right, before Christ as being, we have no spirit. We have a spirit, but death in the spirit, in that sense, is not about not existing, but it's about it's being, it's warped, it's twisted. It is not functioning in alignment with the spirit of God. That's why it was dead. But when you are made new, your spirit man is what is new. If all of you was new, I wouldn't weigh what I weigh right now. And I wouldn't still be as short as I am right now. <laughs> and I wouldn't have to read Romans 12 too. It lets us know that our spirit is new, but this mind and this body that have been operating in this world and that still has to operate in this world, but is now no longer of this world, has a process that we need to go through. So that's why this scripture exists. Be transformed by the renewing, it's a present continuous, right, of our minds. I'm sorry. That's no, okay. So as Leona said, it's a process of looking at those things that still are lining up with the world and looking at what God has given and the promises and where you're to be in the new man, right? Because the mind is a battle is a battleground, right? The mind is a battleground. And it's why Paul says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because that's where the battleground is. And that's why scripture is so important, because in order to come against that, you have to know the promises of God. You have to know who God is. You have to know his nature. And you have to know what your identity is. See, because the problem is, for all of us, is that as we have grown up, our, our identity has been shaped by situations, by circumstances, by people, right? And so it's why we did that exercise, because many times when I did the exercise, the first thing that I thought of was negative. And I had to realize that the reason it was negative was that somewhere along the line, I was imprinted by what other people's perceptions were of me. And that I took those perceptions on 
to now say, this is who I am, right? That includes being imprinted by our DNA. That includes being imprinted by our, the forefathers, right? Our ancestry, all the way back to Adam, which is why the Bible makes reference to the sin nature, which is where the deadness is. But we yet have a work to do to line up with God's spirit in that area, whatever that may be. So why that's so important also is the tapes that run in our head. Um, <coughs> Leona and I do marriage coaching as part of our ministry, and one of the things that we see quite often is that when you begin to when you begin to speak to people, you begin to notice a pattern of a tape that's running that they have believed about themselves. It may have come from their parents, it may have come from their school teachers, it may have come from their friends, it may have come from their siblings, but there is a tape that's running, you know. I'll never do this, I was never good, you know, I think I'm stupid, I think that I'll never amount to much, right? And we don't realize, but those tapes for many people, not for all, but for many people are running in the background, right? And then from that, we start to build an identity of who we are. Well, what happens with that is that that sabotages everything that the Holy Spirit is trying to do in you because what the Holy Spirit is trying to do with you is trying to conform you to the image of Christ. But as he's trying to do that, if you have these tapes running, right, it's sabotaging what he's trying to do. Let's go to another scripture. Uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians 3, verses... 17 and 18. And it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with every increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So what's interesting here is it talks about how that we are being transformed with every increasing glory, from glory to glory. Right? And that glory to glory means that whenever we're in the scriptures, whenever we, there's an illumination, right? Aha, you know, this is going on, that's going on. Wow, I didn't know God was like this. I didn't know that these were my promises. I didn't know that I could stand on these promises. Every time that there is an awareness, it's actually a glory from what Paul is saying. And so every time that happens, what he's saying is you're being transformed from glory to glory to glory to glory, right? 
And that as that transformation process takes place, the work of the Holy Spirit is really to not only to point you to that, but also to be able to help you to look at where are these tapes running in my life that's keeping me from walking in the fullness of what God has called me to, right? Because if I have issues of being unloved, it's gonna be very hard for me to step into now loving somebody else. <laughs> Bless me. Thank you. You know, why I think it's so interesting when you read Matthew 22, 36, where Jesus says that the two greatest commandments is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So it's interesting, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. So there's a little indication that he's saying there is that you have to really understand or get an understanding of what was done for you on the cross, the immense love that was done for you, your value, your worth. Because what happens is, as you now move out and do the things we talked about last week in terms of serving, you're not serving out of obligation, right? You're serving out of transformation. You're serving out of one that has been transformed to say, wow, God not only did this for me, but God did this for this other person. It's one of the biggest issues that we have in society today because when we devalue people, when we do not respect people, when we belittle people, okay, you strip them of their worth and their value. You cannot ask a person, you cannot expect a person that has been stripped of their worth and their value to turn around and say, this person has worth and value. It's not possible. So Joe, what's an example of stripping a person? So I'll give you an example. This happened quite a while back, but this happened actually at where, um, at my mother's house. So it was a woman two doors down. She had a little boy, I think it was five or, five or six, something like that. So he was outside playing. And so she opens the door and she starts belittling this little boy in ways that were just unbelievable. I mean, I had to start weeping with the death that she was pouring over this little boy. I don't know why I had you, blah, 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 you're just this, you're just that, this and that, right? Totally stripping his value, his self-worth, right? Our prisons are full of young men that have been stripped of their dignity and their value. It's why you can have a young person go up to another young person, pull out a gun, and kill that person because he wanted their shoes. Right? If I have no value, 
If I have no worth, if I'm just here as a piece of flesh, I was not brought to the earth to have any purpose or value or anything else. I'm just here to exist, and my life isn't worth a lead nickel. What makes you think that he's going to turn around and have value for that other person? He's not. Why? Because he has no value. This is why when we talked about last week that we, the mission that God has given us is so important. We have to wrap our heads around that. When you serve another, when you give value, when you empower, when you encourage another, you give value to that person. Another example, mm -hmm. um, another example um, would be... Um, you guys have heard this many times before, but um, my, my life early on in our marriage, where my mouth was full of you always, you never, and um, cursing or completely just ridiculing him, um, whether it was private or whether it was in public. And unfortunately, I had a knack for doing things in public where I didn't see, I didn't know, I was not in tune at all with the fact that what I was doing was not only berating, <coughs> but was also um, devaluing and um, uh, far from being honorable. So anytime we do that with our spouse, I, I'm not saying we, we're married to perfect people, my husband, I love him, but he's still not perfect, <laughs> nor am I. So I'm not saying by any stretch of imagination that, that that has to be the goal, but at no point do I have the right. I can say, you know, so-and-so and such-and-such, -and -such, when this happens, I feel, when, um, when I see you doing X, I feel or I am, but when I start using my mouth to strip him of identity and to tear at um, who he is in God or who he is as a human being, let's face it, um, then I am actually partnering with the enemy. And I'm partnering with possibly because I am his spouse, in this example, I am partnering with uh, um, the enemy to continue to dig at a place of woundedness that the Lord is trying to patch and fill, right, and heal. But I am, I'm here going, oh no, we're gonna take the scab off. Oh no, we're gonna, by what I'm doing. And so I'm tearing down what the Lord is trying to build up. So that's another way that we can devalue dishonor. Mm -hmm. And when you were talking about that tape, and unfortunately the tape for me was the word of God. And God's word kept telling me, well, your husband is supposed, the husband is supposed to be this, and he's supposed to honor you, he's supposed to do all these mm -hmm. things. So that's the tape that was going on in my mind for years, you know, looking at him until recently, well, a couple months ago, you know, I, He's been saying it a long time, but like Kathy, I had that conversation. Mm -hmm. That's not your business, though. <laughs> you know what? I want you to focus on 
is what the word says about you. Yes. And it wasn't then until yes. I saw what he was trying to point out to me for years <laughs> about myself. And we sort of talked about renewing your mind, then my perspective just kind of changed on things is that, yes. wow, focus on the, you've been so hung up on what was not, not for exactly. years that, mm -hmm. You can yeah, and it was mm -hmm. so much more good, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Till I started, I was my husband outside the other day doing a lawn and whatever, and he took out some chicken to cook, and the Lord was like, "Why don't you start cooking that chicken?" Because I never cook. So when he came in and saw me cooking, she's like, "Oh my God!" You know. So so I just I'm trying to do things differently, yeah. you know. Then That's I good. see we have to remember too that the enemy knows the word, mm -hmm. so. He can use the word again. He used it against Eve. No thing for him. He quoted scripture to Jesus. So of course he's he can he can be back there twisting the word of God in our minds, and we're sucking it all up. Like, but the words we have to be careful from whom we're hearing. It's another reason why when we read this word. Joe was speaking of illumination. We need to be illumined when we read this word, particularly the Old Testament. If you look through the Old Testament and count how many times devil or Satan comes up, you'll see maybe three references in all of the Old Testament. They thought everything was from the Lord. I'm sorry. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. When that song comes up on the radio, I turn it off. <laughs> because that's not God. That's not his character. And that's why, Joe, as Joe was saying, it's so important that when we're thinking about what we think about, <laughs> that we be clear what his character and his nature is. That was definitely quoted. It is biblical. But it's what man said about God, not what God said about God. And, and what's so critical against that, about that also, when we read um, in Romans 2.12, it said that after your mind has been transformed, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, okay? That testing and approving only really happens when you know the character and nature of God, okay? Because what we have to do when we're reading is, especially in hermeneutics, it teaches you to when you read the, the verse, you back up and you read the, ver the verses around it, you read the book, right? What happens is you have to get a picture of the character and nature of God because what happens when you have a good picture is now as Paul says you can test and approve right this is the character and nature of God so when this situation or circumstance or somebody says this or this what you do automatically is you go does this line up with the character and nature of God if it doesn't right discard it but what it does is it gives you deep discernment and insight into God's character and nature. And now you can begin to move in the world in a way that God wants you to move in and not, as the Bible says, get tossed to and fro. We get tossed to and fro because we don't understand the character and nature of God. Right? So something bad happens. Oh, you know, God's punishing me. Mm -hmm. 
You know, God's punishing me. Here comes that lightning bolt. You know, God's God's going to have it out for me. But if you know the character and nature of God, yes, God disciplines. But God is not a God that sits up in heaven just waiting for you to screw up. Because that's how the world thinks and a lot of Christians think. Right. So that's why we have the checklist. Right. And we talk about we got to walk the straight and narrow. Right. Got to walk that straight and narrow. Why? Because if I don't walk that straight and narrow, the hammer's coming. <coughs> or another popular one is God's taking me to the woodshed. Right? Yeah, that's Kojic. But anyway. <laughs> um, that's a particular but, but particular denomination yeah, that, that we use that. But that's not the character and nature of God. Right? Because here's the thing. If God wanted to just mess with you and beat you up and do all that kind of stuff to you, why would he send Christ? He did not have to send Christ. Because he could jack you up without giving his son. Right? But the whole thing about the cross, and it's why we have to really, really get a picture of the cross and the unbelievable love and the unbelievable grace and the unbelievable mercy that is shown on that cross, right? Because here's the thing. If God saw you as that valuable to send his one and only son, right? Why would he be here jacking you up? Right? You see what I'm saying? Now you start seeing that stuff and you go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Something's not right here. Something's off, right? Because that's not his character and nature. Now, as a father, of course, he's trying to lead you into a place of holiness, right? But he's not using condemnation. He's not, you know, wiping out your car and all this other kind of stuff because you've been a bad person last month, yeah. right? That's not who he is. When you look at the word and you see those things that make you go, well, God said this and... I don't get it. It doesn't fit with what I know of him. See, because God hasn't changed. We think God changed in the New Testament. And I challenge you to reread your Old Testament with what we just shared with you. And then when you get in those situations that are in the Word, recognize that there's something about it that you don't know. There's something about that. Like, you know, God saying... When you go into the land, I want you to kill every single one. Why would that doesn't fit with the nature? I, I see you and all. That doesn't fit with his nature. What we don't realize is that those people had no relationship with God. They, they, their soul, their spirits. Excuse me, were dead. There was no redemption of your spirit in the Old Testament. There was no means by which your spirit could be redeemed in the Old Testament because Christ had not yet come. And those people were, if you look at them his, historically, you'll see the vile things that they had been doing. Having their children pass through the fire. Decimating people just to decimate other peoples. And what did God say? I don't want you to become like them. And then he gives us this mystery in 
in Peter, where we're like, okay, so what happened to those people? Because Christ led captivity captive. He went into the, he went to Sheol and he preached the gospel. What happened? We, have, we don't know. I don't know the answer. I'm not going to stand here and tell you. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know how it all ended for those people in the Old Testament. I don't. But God leaves us a mystery. And so we know we don't yet know the full story. We have had, we have led lives where we've judged God. We have judged God based on our own sinfulness and based on what we have learned by the traditions of men what churches and people who stood up there like Joe and I have said about who God is instead of asking God, God, help me understand because when you said that and you were the one that said it, if I'm reading it right, what was going on? And remember, Paul too also says that right now in our present state, we see dimly. We see dimly, right? right. We see the full picture. Is that right? I you had made a, uh, a comment earlier saying uh, God's one and only son. I, I thought that the devil was, was another one of his sons that went south. That, 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 that's, he was a, he was a, that's actually the belief of a non-Christian group that, uh, that Jesus and, and Lucifer were brothers or you know both God's sons. No, God only has one son. Okay. The reference to only begotten is actually making a distinction between who Jesus is and who we are because we're also sons of God, right? So Jesus is his, of his spirit. Only actual son. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Lucifer was is a fallen angel. Yeah. He created like the other angels. Exactly. But yeah, but and Ezekiel speaks to that, and I can't remember what chapter in Ezekiel and also Isaiah. Um, but yeah. Thank you. Um, I sometimes feel like I give the enemy too much credit. Like when things happen, I'll say, oh, that's the devil. That's the devil. Mm -hmm. Not everything is a devil. And right. I think it's like, how do I? I mean, I'm trying to not do that because not sometimes it's just things happen, but then other times. It could be God allowing it to happen to change something in your character, and it could be, you know, or could it be the enemy? I mean, it's like, what, do well, we need to try to figure that out, and I think I do that too much, and I'm giving the enemy too much you're right, um, credit for something, yeah. something that happens to me in a bad form or something, and I'm like, oh, it's just a devil doing an attack. No, it might not be the devil at all. How do I know it, that isn't? It could be just nothing. I mean, I don't know. Is it is it one or the other always? I mean, well, it's complex. That, at the end of the day, it's complex. The thing is, what does God want you to do in the moment? That's really what you should be looking for. Because the fact is this. The devil might have, but then again, we still live in a fallen world. When Jesus came, he redeemed us. He did not redeem the soil, the land, the earth, right? The environment. We are responsible to redeem that. We're responsible to partner with his spirit to, to redeem that. Mm -hmm. And at some point, it's not even going to be redeemed because we know in the end, the earth is consumed, right? And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. But so some, of, some things just happen because we live in a fallen yeah. world. And because we're saved, or even our whole household is saved, doesn't mean that. And we're living right, we love the Lord, we're giving, we're this, we're that, we're everything we could possibly be. Doesn't mean that 
there aren't things that are going to happen in our life or in our environment that are not from God because we live in a fallen world. And then there are some things that are out and out attacks of the enemy. But you're right, I think we do give the enemy way too much credit. Um, I was thinking about what you're saying about, you know, and the word, this saying came up to me, food for thought. And to me, I look at it like the word has to be the food that we feed our spirit with. And our thinking, I mean, it makes it easy for me to see it that way. If, what am I going to feed those thoughts with? First, where do they come from? And how am I going to feed or grow new thoughts? Like you're saying, through the word. In Philippians 4, I have it written up on in my devotional room about rejoicing in the Lord and thinking only good things and noble things and all those things. So replacing with that gives my spirit that God gave me the ability to grow and replace those thoughts mm -hmm. as I recognize them through him. And capturing every thought to bring it into the obedience of Christ. Right. And it goes back to what she was saying. The Bible says that all things work together for the good and those who love the Lord who are called according for his purpose. So even if it's something that's inconveniencing us mm -hmm. or that it's a challenge or a struggle, mm -hmm. the Bible still says all things mm -hmm. work together for his good. You know, and that's how I try to look at it is if something bad happens, okay Lord. You know, sometimes you allow things, you know, whether it's to get my attention, to help me, to strengthen me, to strengthen my faith, mm -hmm. you know, and and not just immediately, you know, blame someone else, you know, try to look at it as, what is the Lord trying to teach me through this right. circumstance? Right. And, and I think that, you know, the thing for us to realize that Leona was saying was the consequences of sin in the world are still in effect. Right? And when God says that all things work together for good, that lets you really know that God's nature is that w even the stuff that's bad, right? He's working for your good, right? And so in a way he's saying, look, you're living in a world that has the consequences that is still suffering the consequences of that. And you living in the world will run into that, right? Because Jesus said, you know, in this world, you're going to have many trials, right? So Jesus lets you know up front, it's not going to be a cakewalk, right? You're going to have trials. He already, he already lets you know that. So again, when you put those together, you begin to see now the character and nature of God. It's like God is saying, you know what? You're in the world, you're not of the world, you're in the world, and in the world, even though you're walking with me, sin is gonna be, you know, there are gonna be some effects, but to let you know, right, that my character in nature is to make good out of whatever happens, whether it's good or bad, my nature is to make good out of whatever happens. So right there, that even lets you know, okay, well, then this is the character and nature of God. So this same God isn't, because many times people say, okay, well, is God doing this to show me something? What I've realized is that God doesn't necessarily do something to show you something. But in that scripture, what happens is that I know in my own life, every single thing that has happened to me 
even though that thing may not have been good, God has been able to look at that and say, okay, here's something that I'm going to use this situation and I'm going to show you what's good out of here, whether it can help build your character, whether um, it will strengthen you for the walk ahead. So he didn't author it. But what he did was, okay, yeah, I saw this thing happen, consequence of sin in the world, but let me show you how this thing is going to either, it's going to, I'm going to take it and continue to make it good. Right. So the exactly. It's the redeeming nature of God. He's continuing. He's continuing to redeem. So now what we can do is now what happens is it begins to change our picture of God. Right. God is now this champion. God is now this one that brings all things to bear for your good, regardless of what you're going through. And he says to those who love him and, call and are called according to his purpose. So if I'm still trying to go towards his purpose, he is able to work those things together for good. If I choose to work contrary to his purpose, I'm the one who's making, see that's the thing, is it goes back to personal responsibility. And a lot of times we, you're right, Teresa, we, it's easier for us, and I'm just as guilty to blame the enemy, when in fact I'm the one who has, or somebody in my life has chosen to turn away from God's purpose for them. And yes, I am caught in the wake of their decision, but it's not because I chose it. The person, that neighbor that I'm loving, has chosen to walk contrary to the purposes of God. And yes, I'm caught in that. I'm affected by that. But God can still work it for my good. So, He's, Because that's his intent, that's his desire. It's never his desire for, because what did he say? I wish that, how many should perish? None, None. zero. But that all will come to repentance, right? So if that's the case, again, what does that say about the character and nature of God? Uh, just that it's been very eye-opening to me, um, like what I read on the paper. And it's like, you know, you talk about what the world puts upon you. is pretty much a rejection that the gospel is true. It's a rejection of the gospel. And so just thinking of that is that's going to be a challenge for me in recognizing that pretty much all the the things that I take on or, you know, you believe the lies about yourself or, you know, what am I, you know, those kinds of things. It's like, go take it back to the gospel and it's, that stuff just kind of melts because I don't have to put myself under condemnation because I'm forgiven. That's and when you realize that if you just truly, if your heart's for God, you know that he loves you so much and loves every other person so much, that's your purpose. Then you, you know, for me, it's realizing that I, because that's still an area where I struggle. And you know, even though you work through this or that, and just that, that fleshly nature, the things yeah. that have been done to you, those family patterns, you still kind of play them out or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's just really profound that, like, the gospel just really blows that all away. That that there's forgiveness and love, and that that mm -hmm. is just so much more powerful yes. than the consequences of the world. Right. The sin. right. Well, and it's that knowledge that transforms. Yeah. Right. The, the gospel is bigger than we, mm -hmm. we. I don't think we even we sitting here recognize what the gospel really is. 
because it is radical good news. It's like, yeah. it's it, like Paul said, um, well, so should we keep on sinning? <laughs> that grace may abound all. It's that good. The gospel of God is just that good. But because we love him, we, because we're like so in awe of what he gave up, right? Then we don't choose to sin. Teresa. This is my favorite scripture, um, put on the armor of God in Ephesians 6. Um, just going back to, you know, he said that you're going to have trials. Um, you know, Ephesians put on the, you know, breastplate righteousness, the whole breakdown of all. We all know what that is. So that when that evil day comes, mm -hmm. you can stand firm. Right. That's right. So, I mean, that, that just that little bit is so powerful because mm -hmm. when that, it's saying it's going to come. Mm -hmm. You need to be ready. You need to put the whole armor of God on so that when that day comes, because it doesn't say when, it doesn't say in scriptures the date, the time. It doesn't say. We don't know. We have to have our full armor on every day because it's going to come. And we need to be ready for it that we will be able to stand because we're in Christ, in his word, in prayer, when it comes, you know, when that, you know, person dies or when this happens or when that car accident happens, what have you, you can stand on the word and your faith is going to push you through and other people through too. And I submit to you that standing is really about standing in what is the truth about who God is and about who you are in God. Regardless of what's going on externally, regardless of what you are caught up in, the wake of what you are caught up in, who is God? What is his character? And who are you? How does he, meaning how does he see you? How precious are you to him? How dare you talk down to yourselves? I'm sorry, I'm smacking all you guys that wrote negative things about this. How dare you talk down to yourselves? The holy of holies speaks well of you. He rejoices over you. He lifts up his skirt and dances whenever he hears your name because you are accepted in the beloved. Okay, yes, you have things to grow through. You have things to overcome because your mind is being renewed. So then partner with what he says about you. Even if you don't yet see, that's what faith is. If you see faith, it ain't faith. It ain't faith, right? It just defies what that definition is. So agree with him in faith. He knows, he knows tomorrow. He knows what he's created you for. And yes, we may be 50 plus, and we haven't seen it come to pass, but there's still tomorrow because he is eternal. I'm done right. smacking you guys. All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up. Um, so I gave you guys action steps to renewing your mind. Um, so we didn't have a chance to go over it, but um, I would say, you know, go through this, definitely. This will, this will um, help you begin to take some concrete, practical steps. Um, last week we did an acronym called SERVE. I have like three or four. If you guys didn't get that from last week, that's what I reference here on Live With Purpose, Focus, and Intentionality, the acronym SERVE. So I have that here if you guys want to get some of those. And then, um, Let's pray and we'll close because I think the other class is ready to come in. So, Father, we just thank you and we bless your time. We bless this time. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit and your word. We thank you for all that you're doing in us 
and through us. And so, Father, again, happy Father's Day to you. And, Father, we just, we just uh, bless you and lift you up today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Yeah, awesome. Thank you.